What's up, church planters and all you fans of church planting? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend, Matt Hess. You guys are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planters for the everyday church planter. This podcast isn't just for church planters, though. It's for anyone who loves church planting and wants to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom of God. I want to also remind you guys, our new website is now live. Uh, It's been up for uh, a little over a week. It's the same web address. It's www.getinthetrenches.com. It's just a much better website. So if you haven't had a chance to go and check it out, please do that. Uh, One of the cool aspects of the new site is the ask a question feature uh, that's on the homepage. So if you have a question about church planting, about anything we've covered in an episode, or just a question for Matt or myself in general, then you can leave it there and we may even read it uh, out loud in one of our episodes. Heck, we may even turn it into an episode topic because what? to be quite honest with you, we sometimes we have trouble figuring out what to talk about. We're pretty good right now. We yeah, got, we are. We, we calendared out like six months worth, but but it's always good to have new ideas. It is. Well, and you know, so a lot of times the questions that get asked may already correspond to a topic that we're planning on talking yeah. about, uh, you know, things like that. Plus so, we want to scratch where people are itching. I like that phrase. It's yeah, good. bro. Because it feels so good whenever you're itching really bad and you just scratch <laughs> it, you know? See, Anna, last night, our uh, our seven-year-old, before bed, she comes up and she's like, Daddy, scratch my back. So I scratch her back. She's like, ah, uh, <laughs> up further. <laughs> I get scratch her back. She's, she's just so into it. You know? yeah. It's like the simple things in life. You know what I was actually legitimately thinking about yeah. last week? is my wife was scratching my back. And as she was, I was sitting there thinking, and I was like, you know, if somebody invented something that like a, like some, no, 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 no. Like something that like a robot type deal that like scratched your back, you know, kind of like you have massage chairs. Yeah. Why can't you have like a scratching chair where it literally, but it feels like, you know, like fingernails, you know, that are just (laughs) kind of scratching your back. I would totally buy that. I would, I would be willing to pay up to, $300 $300 for something like that. <laughs> you definitely enjoy the finer things in life. Dude, I would... T- <laughs> back scratching is another level of dress, man. I'm laughing because I'm thinking about when Erica scratches my back. I'm like, hey, babe, scratch my back. She's like... You know, she, uh, it, I'm, I almost every time I say, oh gosh, not so hard. Yeah, she's just not good at it. No, she, she have like a hangnail or something. It just feels like, it feels like someone's taking a rusty nail and ripping my wow. skin. I'm like, ah, and she's like, oh, stop being such a baby. You know? <laughs> Last week we gave Erica a shout out. And now we're going <laughs> to, she's now, like, now we're going to, wow, thank ins- you. Insult her back scratching but, abilities. But. But when I ask her to slow down a little bit, it gets it's a lot better. It gets better. Yeah. You just need some coaching, right? Yeah, well, everybody needs coaching live. We talked about that. We talked that. about that last week, too. Speaking of our episode for the day. Speaking of. Oh, well, first, I need to just remind our listeners, because I got distracted, that uh, for the Ask a Question feature, it's on www.getinthetrenches.com forward slash ask, or you can just go to the homepage and scroll down, which I think is easier. Uh, yeah. And you can access, access that. Uh, and just a reminder, uh, you can check out also our free ebook. Um, which I feel like is a little bit misleading of a term because I didn't actually write a book. I basically just curated <laughs> 30 of our favorite church planning quotes, and they really are good, and there's a yeah. lot of good stuff on there. So you can get that for free on the website as well. All right, now we can get into today's topic, which is part two of 10 things that church planters say. But they shouldn't. There you go. All right. We'll work on that. We'll get it right next time. Okay. <laughs> I was looking at my notes. And I know you were pointing. <laughs> my finger was you're in your pointing, face. And I was like, oh, I see his finger point at me. I guess I should say it. All right. We'll work on that Let's one. get to number six, Matt. Let's do it. Number six things that church planters say that they shouldn't is people just don't want the gospel here because the soil is hard. Oh, man. yeah, Hard we, soil. We hear this one a lot. Let's talk about hard soil. You know, it's, um, yeah, I have to be honest. If I'm being completely honest here, which we always want to be, mm-hmm. when we first moved here and um, started started planting and stuff, and God gave us favor and everything like that, um, we saw some success. and And uh, I remember talking to guys that are like planting in like the Bible Belt, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like, you know, their their churches are like 200, 300, like overnight. It felt like, and I was like, yeah, but you know, you're there and I'm here, you mm-hmm. know. And, um, and I mean, who knows, maybe there's some reality to that I, there obviously is contextually different contextual differences in different places, mm-hmm. 
But the reality of the matter is, is that it doesn't matter if you're in Florida or Alabama or Oklahoma or Texas or Mississippi or uh, Boston or New York or Toronto or wherever it might be. That's difficult. I mean, the parable of the four souls is applicable everywhere. Yep. And yeah, yeah, there might be more difficult places than other places. There might be percentages less churches mm-hmm. than other places. It's not might. There are. That's real. That's that's a fact. Um, but it's it's there's hard soul everywhere and there's prepared soul everywhere, mm-hmm. and we have to cling to that. Yeah. That's from the scriptures. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, like I've pastored in you know small Baptist churches in the South, and um, I have. You know, watched, you know, like I was at a church that was a lot bigger than the church that I pastor now, yeah. uh, numbers wise, uh, but that baptized less people than we do now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was in a quote unquote, you know, easy place. It was in yeah. a place where, you know, the Bible Belt, where a much higher percentage of people actually went to church. Um, but uh, I'm not sure that there was a much higher percentage of people that were actually walking with Jesus. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah. I, you know, like I, I do think that cosmetically things can look different, you know, like, uh, like places like Toronto, is it harder to get people to come to church? Yes, it is. Yeah. It's harder to get people to come to your church here. But again, is our goal to get people to come to our church? Is that ultimately the goal? Do we want people to come to church? Ah, yeah, absolutely. We sure. want people to come to church. We want people to hear the word of God. We want people to hear the gospel preached. We want people to, you know, to, to be discipled and to grow, but that's not the, the be all end all. And so I yeah. think in a lot of ways, like, like making disciples and people actually growing in their faith and, and seeing lives transformed is no more difficult here than it is in the South. And yeah. I think the challenges just look different yeah. in different places. Absolutely. There's so. there's lost people everywhere. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's people who are um, stiff-necked everywhere. Mm-hmm. There are people who have hard hearts everywhere. And I think church planners... I think we get in trouble when we when we start to take on this mentality because it almost always leads to a lack of effort of sharing the gospel. Yep. It almost all it almost always leads to mm-hmm. an excuse mm-hmm. of well, people aren't really open to it anyways, mm-hmm. and we're just going to have a really great service and a great mm-hmm. church, and we're going to hope that the people that are out there, or whatever. But you have to you have to get back to the word of God. You have to believe that he's preparing people, that he's drawing people and that he's going to build his kingdom. Yep. You know, when you're in, um, when you're in, you know, uh, places that are, you know, highly unchurched and where, you know, people tend to have a negative view of church and, you know, you, you may not have very many people coming to your service, you know, stuff like that. Um, you know, you're going to face a lot of rejection no matter where you go, especially if you're like out in the harvest and you're actually sharing the gospel because like, you know, the parable of the four soils, uh, is it's not meant to give us like a literal percentage, like, you know, 25% of the people are going to accept yeah. Christ and 75% aren't. But I do think that one of the principles in there is that the majority of the seed that was sown, um, did not last, didn't yeah. produce fruit. Right. I think that's the point from Jesus' parable. And, uh, I mean, I've never met a pastor yet who hasn't you know, also experienced that Mm -hmm. in reality. It's, you know, it proves true no matter where you go. And it really becomes true when you're church planting, right? Like we always say that we tell people that like it became real to us. Once we came up here and started church planting, we were like, Oh wow. Now I see what Jesus was talking about. Right. 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 So, um, you know, and it's like, I I was just talking to uh, one of the, one of the younger people, uh, one of our newer believers in our church, um, who's, you know, is growing like crazy and sharing the gospel, but she was kind of, you know, talking the other day about how, um, you know, we've been, we've been going through a really dry spell, honestly, like our church, I said, in terms of fruit, like we're still sharing the gospel. We're still out there. We're we just haven't been baptizing many people. Yeah. We haven't been seeing a lot of response. Just been a lot of resistance to the gospel. And so, and she was basically, you know, kind of saying like, you know, like maybe we just need to like, you know, change some stuff up because, you know, it's not working. Right. It was kind right. of what she said. And I was like, so I took her back. I was like, hold on a second. Let's talk about like what success is and what yeah. success is not in evangelism. Right. Yeah. Like, like, like success is not, you know, how many converts did you have today? Right. You know, like we're not, we're not salesmen. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're not making sales. Right. Uh, we're not meeting a quota. Success in evangelism is did you share the gospel? Yeah. Because that's what Jesus commanded us to do. Yeah. So if you obey Jesus, you've been successful. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. You it's, can obey Jesus in any soil, right? 
Absolutely. Any soil, it doesn't matter where you're at or what, or, you know, what you're called to. Um, I mean, we have countless examples throughout history in scripture and outside of scripture Mm -hmm. of men and women who faithfully preached and communicated and shared the gospel on a regular basis. And Mm -hmm. they didn't see fruit for many, many years. Yep. Yeah, that's true. And there's also like, God is, um, sovereign, you know, over everything. Mm-hmm. He's sovereign over salvation. He's, you know, he, he directs the hearts of Kings like a stream, uh, in his hand. And, um, he's sovereign over salvation, over revivals, over when those things happen and in God's own way and in God's own purpose, there are times and in, in different regions where he will pour his spirit out in a special way. And there will be a harvest time. And then there's times where it's time, you know, like Ecclesiastes teaches us this principle. There's yeah. a time for planting. There's a time for harvesting. There's a time for tilling soil. Yeah. You know, there's a time for uh, pulling up weeds. Like, and you don't have any really control over what part of that process God no. calls you to and puts you in. And I think, do we all want to be a part of a harvest time? Of course. <laughs> yeah, we do. Because it's exciting. It, you know, it, it's you know, it's glorifying to God. You know, we want to feel like we're making a difference, things like that. And I think, but it's not that we're not making a difference when we're in a, a tilling phase or we're planting or we're even like moving rocks around the field. Like sometimes in a lot of ways, I feel like we've done a lot of that while we've been here is, you know, we've done a lot of just, you know, like clearing rocks out of the way to prepare for planting. And I had a, a guy asked me um, like last year, uh, I was in uh, visiting some friends in Utah, and they're in Salt Lake, which may be the only place on the on North America that's even harder than Canada uh, <laughs> to plant churches. Yeah. Like Salt Lake City Salt Lake is tough. legitimately a tough place, right? But he told me, he said, he asked me, like, would you be okay with it if God called you to move rocks for the rest of your life? Yeah. Like, would you accept that? Yeah. You know, and that was like a really, like that made me think a lot, you know, opening. Yeah. Like what are my real motives? You know, am I really, am I okay with that? Like, am I okay just pleasing God and, you know, never, you know, uh, you know, leading a revival or, you know, presiding over, you know, this great move of God. Um, you know, so that's good, man. It's good. Okay. Number two, actually number seven, number seven, we're on week number two two for this episode. There you go. Number seven. All right. Why don't you read it? I don't have any leaders in my church. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do. There's leaders in our churches. I think we have to clarify, first of all, what we mean by this for our listeners, because I think when we say how we define leader is really important. Okay. Because if we define leader as somebody who, you know, we think of General Patton, you know, when we hear the word leader, or we think of the Apostle Paul when we hear the word leader, then yeah, maybe you don't have any of those types in your church. But although I might even argue with some of that uh, mentality, Mm -hmm. but if we believe that at the end of the day, anybody can potentially lead biblically, utilizing the spiritual gifts the Spirit has given to them, then yes, you do have leaders in your church. Mm -hmm. What, What oftentimes we mean when we say, I don't have any leaders in my churches, a, we're not developing those people, or B, we don't really want to give anything away as pastors. Yep. So I would say that. That's good. Yeah, I think that, you know, there are leaders, with there are people with the, with leadership potential in your church. Um, and I think that a lot of times, like you said, they might not fit the mold of what you were imagining uh, when you thought about a leader. Um, and so it, it, we, we kind of talked about this a little bit last week. Yeah, you know, like we talked about hiring, right? Like we want to hire yeah. uh, for to grow our church instead of doing the hard work of developing leaders within. Um, you know, uh, Mac Lake also talks about this. You know, he talks about uh, you know like seeing uh, what's possible in people. You yeah, know? like when you're looking at people that are in your church, and you know, like whether it's new believers, like even uh, and and Jeff Christopherson talks about this in Kingdom Matrix, right? Like he talks about people who are already hardwired for kingdom work; they're just yeah. not in the kingdom yet, but right? Like, so, you know, you go, if you, you know, if you see somebody, see this guy, right, who can sell an, uh, you know, an ice cube to an Eskimo. Yeah. Boy, I can't talk. If you see a guy who can sell an ice cube to an Eskimo, you know what I'm trying to say. I don't know why I'm having trouble with that word, but I, so yeah, if you see that guy, then, you know, what your brain should go to is, man, like I see an evangelist, right? Right. I see somebody 
who is excited about me about hitting the streets and going and yeah. just sharing good news with people. Yeah. But it's no longer the good news about Plexus. It's the good news about Jesus <laughs> right. or whatever. Apologies right? to our Plexus distributors. Yeah. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> I hope you're not offended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's true. I mean, like it, it, looking and seeing the people what I love, I mean, I, I really want to give my life to this and what really gets me up in the morning is I want to, I want to look at people and see what they could be yep. and help them get to that. You know, my, my wife, Eric and I, that's really what we want to give this next season of our lives to is we really want to develop leaders and um, we, we want to help people see things in themselves that they can't see for themselves and then take them in a linear process to get to that place. And I think that's I, I think that's my heart because I think that's what God does with us. Um, you know, we call it the fancy word, of course, sanctification. But um, you know, God just faithfully journeys with us day to day. Yep. And and I and I think oftentimes when we say I don't have any leaders in my church, again, we don't want to put in the work. Mm-hmm. We don't really want to do life with those people. And you know, talking a lot about Mac, but something he said one of the first times we ever met that really stuck in my mind is, you know, we're not just trying to find people to turn our ministry widgets. Mm-hmm. You know, he really focuses on how people can utilize the gifts God's given to them at home mm-hmm. and at work, mm-hmm. and you know, in in everywhere in their life. You got you have to work with like you have to trust that God knows what you need and that He's going to give you what you need. Like I think about this sometimes. Uh, I'm a big sports fan, right? Yeah. And one of the things that um, you know frustrates me about, like especially you know my favorite, you know some of my favorite teams, um, is when a coach has players and he tries to force uh, players to fit into his scheme rather than designing his scheme around the skill set of his players. Right. That drives me nuts. And I watch coaches do it all the time, especially football coaches. Um, you know, I'm like, I'm a big Houston Texans fan and, um, Bill O'Brien is there. Shout coach. out Bill O'Brien. Well, Bill, if you're listening, you might want to turn this off because I'm about to criticize you, but <laughs> I, no, he's, you know what? Like he's not a yeah. bad coach or anything, but, but I do like, sometimes I get frustrated because I'll watch him, you know, like take players and very clearly, you know, they don't have the skill set to do what he's asking them to do, but he's so like, I think coaches are kind of like arrogant by nature. And yeah. so they're like, I've got my scheme and my scheme works and we're going right. to do my scheme and my game plan. And so then they force the players into it. And you're, it's just so obvious from an outside perspective. Yeah. They're like, this is not what this guy's good at. Like, right. let him do what he's good at doing. Yeah. Um, and I think we can do the same thing as church planners. Right. So like, instead of going, well, I don't have anybody who can lead music, you know, like, uh, I don't have any leaders in my church. Well, what can they do? What can they do? What are they good at? Like, what yeah. has God gifted them to? That's right. So, like, figure that out and then let them do it. Maybe it wasn't the first thing that you thought you needed right now, but it's what God knew you needed right now. Yeah. I think a lot of guys don't even know how to start. They don't even know how to get to the place where they can honestly answer that question. Mm-hmm. They just say those things. Like, we just say those things as church planners. I don't have any leaders because... You know, like uh, we've talked about this before because your wife is doing the slides or, you know, your wife's doing the kids ministry or whatever. And you're like, man, we don't have any leaders like we're doing everything or whatever it might be. And we can all like we can all like identify with that as church planners, you know, married church planners anyways. But the, the, the matter, the fact of the matter is, is that there are people and we don't even know where to begin we have to understand how they're spiritually gifted. We have to understand, do, are they aware of our ministries? Mm-hmm. Are they, are they, do we have clear ministry on ramps? Mm-hmm. Like do, do people, do people even know and understand like how they can serve, how they can be involved, how they can engage? What are the expectations? Mm-hmm. And before we ever say anything like, well, we don't have any leaders. Well, do you have all that stuff? Sure. Because if you're looking for leaders in your church, like do you even have clear on ramps for people to get, get assimilated into your church? Do you yep. even have opportunities for them to lead? Yep. What would you do? I, you know, I remember the early stages. Uh, I heard a guy ask, a que- ask me, you know, uh, he said, what would you do if you had just like 10 healthy leaders come to your church? Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I don't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it shifted us in a direction that's been sure. really healthy. Sure. Um, but you, you, before you ever say something like, well, I don't have any leaders, you need to ask yourself those questions first. Yeah. And, you know, and we've talked about this in past episodes, and if you want, you can always go back to our interview with Mac Lake, which was in season one, towards the beginning of season one, uh, called Developing Leaders, uh, and listen to that. But, you know, there are, you know, there, you, 
there are different resources that, um, you know, that you can use, but you know, like we talk about how you need, um, organizational chart, right? Like you need to know, okay, like what are the positions quote unquote that we, that we want filled in the future? What, what does it look like? You know, like what specifically do we want those people to do? What do we want them to be gifted in? Um, you know, do you have clear job descriptions for the roles that you want filled? Like, you know, you need to have those things in place if you want people to step in and fill those roles. Absolutely. And then you need to have a clear process for like, like how are you going to train people? You know, yeah. like, like how can you get somebody from point A to point B? Like if you have one of those leaders show up at your church, yeah. how can you get them plugged in? That's good. So, uh, and if you, if you guys have questions about that, you know, you can always, like I said, email us, go to the website, go to the ask a question portion. Uh, shoot us a note and uh, we'll send you, we'll send you stuff that we've got. We've got, uh, definitely, you know, we want to share with you everything that we have. We've got those organizational charts and drop descriptions and all that stuff. And we've actually shared them with several of our listeners who've asked and we're yeah. happy to share them with you. So definitely. Okay. Next, if God, this is, this is something that church planners say that they should not say, by yeah. the way, if God were really blessing this work, our church would be bigger slash would have multiplied by now slash would have baptized more people. Yeah. Maybe, maybe God isn't blessing your work. You're not doing any of that stuff. I'm just joking. It's good. Yeah. I mean, so many planners, you know, they fall into this. Mm-hmm. They think, you know, man, if, if, if we were, if we were doing what we're supposed to be doing, like, yeah, we, what about this? That guy over there has all these baptisms, you know, what's he doing? And, you know, he's preaching a false gospel to get all these people, you know, yep. or whatever. And, um, or, you know, yeah, we haven't multiplied yet. You know, our, we, we're not growing like, you know, mm-hmm. we're, and you know, maybe, maybe there are some things that you could do different. Maybe mm-hmm. you aren't doing some things right. So quote unquote, mm-hmm. but maybe you're doing every single thing you're supposed to be doing. Yep. I mean, like I've seen that scenario too. Mm-hmm. Where a guy's being faithful, he's doing everything he's supposed to be doing, and he's not seeing any church growth, he's not seeing any kind of movement. And church planners, I think, you know, I would say, I'm trying to mark my words. I think this comes from a misunderstanding of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. All throughout scriptures in the New Testament, and I mean, in and the Old Testament, but specifically how Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. We, the kingdom is upside down from anything this world has to offer. You know, uh, the, the, the weak will be strong, the less will be more, you know, the poor will be rich. And so it's a, this crazy dichotomy that we don't understand. We think we understand, but we don't have a full grasp on the kingdom. That's why prophetic voices like Jeff Christofferson and others, Alan Hurst, these guys have done so many good things. Peyton Jones, others mm-hmm. have done so many good things for the kingdom because they're they're shining a spotlight on some of this this misunderstanding about the kingdom of God. Yep. And so when you say, "Well, God must not be blessing me because my church isn't growing," you're not you're not kingdom thinking. Mm-hmm. You, you you're you're still trying. You're you're thinking, well, if I start a lemonade stand and I don't grow by 10% more lemonade customers every month, I'm obviously doing something wrong, but we're not a business. You know, we're not professionals. Mm -hmm. And yes, there are principles and all those kinds of things. But my point is, is that, Hey, have you ever thought that maybe it's maybe just maybe God doesn't intend for you to be the guy that baptizes a hundred people. Yep. Maybe God doesn't intend for your church to explode because he knows your head would explode. Mm-hmm. And he's waiting for you to grow spiritually before he touches your ministry. Yep. And so there's all kinds of different things, but we don't get to see what God sees. Mm-hmm. So we just faithfully work. We faithfully labor. Mm-hmm. And until God calls you home or calls you something else. Yep. Yeah. Right. I read a, I've been reading a book uh, about the Puritans um, by J.I. Packer, and one something that that stood out to me while I was reading is he told two stories back to back to kind of illustrate uh, the principle. We kind of covered this a little bit in um, number six, I think, when we were talking about hard soil. Yeah, but uh, it's still a good story, you know. Kind of, and I think it kind of helps, you know, address this, you know, the this current one that we're on. And so there's a guy named Richard Greenham. Uh, he was a He's a pastor in a place called Dry Drayton uh, outside of Cambridge uh, over in the UK from 1570 to 1590. Uh, and um, there was actually like a little saying about him, about his life. that said, Greenham had pastures green, but flocks full lean. Wow. Uh, so 
Apparently, this dude was like an incredible preacher. I mean, he was, he spent hours in prayer every day. Just a man of God, uh, and you know, like other ministers would like go to him, like travel yeah. to him to you know to sit under his feet and for counsel and everything like that. Uh, but he actually said at the end of his ministry that he may have had two genuine converts during wow. his entire time. And that was one of the things that he lamented. And he, I think I, I kind of read a little bit of uh, his journal, and I think he probably actually struggled a little bit with, you know, sure. depression and self-deprecation because of yeah. it. Like, I think, like, like I didn't make a difference. You know, it's kind of the basically uh, what, what he was saying. Yeah. And But everybody around him would have said the opposite. Like, no, you, you made a huge difference, yeah. you know. But then, so he tells this story, and then he tells a story right after that of a guy named Richard Fairclough. And, uh, and uh, he was uh, ministered from 1647 to 1662, so, you know, about 60 years later, uh, in a town called Mills, which was uh, not too far away. And he was very, you know, similar. He kind of cut from the same cloth as, as Richard Greenham. You know, he was a, uh, an effective preacher and, you know, prayer warrior. And uh, during his time, 80% of, ta- of the town of Mells uh, was converted wow. uh, under his ministry. About about two town of about two thousand people. Eighty percent of them converted. Wow. So you know the point of telling these two stories back to back was like, what was the difference between these two guys? There really wasn't much of one. Yeah. It wasn't that one was like you know a better preacher. It wasn't that one was more godly than the other. It wasn't that one you know had a better worship band. You know. Yeah. I mean? They didn't have worship bands back then. <laughs> yeah. But you know like. What was the difference? The sovereignty of God. That's right. You know, and so like if God calls you to be a Richard Greenham who labors faithfully for years and years and, you know, and you see relatively little visible fruit, like that's okay. You know, like you think about, you know, oak trees, right? And the way that oak Mm. trees grow, like their, their root system is massive. Absolutely. And you never see crazy. It's all underground and so, you know, like God may call you to be a part of developing the root system yeah. and you never, you won't even see it yourself, but it's, it's necessary because without that root system, that massive oak tree would fall over in, yeah. in the slightest little wind, yeah. just knock it over. So maybe God's calling you to be a Richard Greenham and that's okay. Yeah. You know, we say like Jesus is the Lord of the harvest, but I don't know if we believe it. Yeah. <laughs> we say like Jesus is the Lord of harvest, but you know, if I do this enough or do that enough, then then mm-hmm. we'll see this. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the sovereignty of God and, and who he brings into the kingdom under your ministry, it's all up to him. Yep. Yeah. And you got to be careful with this. Like, you really do. Like, we've talked about this before. And I think the reason that I talk about it so much and I'm passionate about it is because I've, I've experienced yeah. it. I've been through it. Like, like, I've struggled with some of these things myself. Like, I, I had a period where, you know, I really, God brought me out of this period where I kind of realized I'd been placing my identity in church planting mm-hmm. like my quote-unquote success as a church planter like i built everything on that and when it wasn't turning out according to my expectations it devastated me yeah but but it also did some other things like number one I, you know not only was i unhappy and struggling to believe god i was struggling with doubt i got bitter towards yeah. the people i was reaching yeah right i got i i, I became uh, i got harder on myself you know i began to blame myself which in turn made me a, a less compassionate pastor to my people. I cracked the whip harder on them. I mean, like you yeah. can easily turn into something that you don't want to be. That's right. If you have the wrong mindset here. And Absolutely. Like, so like, that's why I'm passionate about this because I saw it so clearly, Yeah. you know, happen in my own life. And I just know how susceptible we can be in this, in a, you know, cause the, there's high pressure in church planting, yeah. you know, and um, I just want everybody listening to like guard against that mm. and not slip into that same thing. Yeah. Rest in Christ and understand that he sees how you labor. He sees what you're doing and he's the author of all of it. Yep. All right. Let's go to number nine. We need to really focus heavily on evangelism. Evangelism. Eskimo. 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 <laughs> you're, 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 uh, Grammar problems are spreading to me. We need to to really focus heavily on evangelism leading up to our launch. Yes and no. Yeah. This is a kind of a tricky one. It is. Do you need to focus heavily on evangelism leading up to your launch? Yes. Yes. Do you need to stop after your launch? No. No, exactly. So uh, this is something that... I don't necessarily know if this is something church planners say a lot. Like, Like nobody says this in means... 
I'm going to do a lot of evangelism and then yeah. stop after my launch. But what what does happen is church planners will talk a lot about evangelism leading up to their launch, and mysteriously, it just starts to disappear from the conversation yeah. after the launch. You know, man, I would. I'm I'm doing some research right now for writing, and um, I would be one thing I need to get out there and uh, get some stats on is I would be really interested in how much evangelism is actually taking place. Mm-hmm. You know, like we we run on the no place left rails uh, and and the four hundred one and and all those things, I, but I wonder how many planners are actually engaging the harvest. Like they could give you like, yeah, I'm knocking on this many doors or excuse me, I'm sharing with this many people, this leading up to this, this, and this, mm-hmm. because here's, this is, this is my hypothesis. This is what I'm getting at. I don't think it's emphasized before and therefore it's not emphasized after. Yeah. I think when we say emphasize, they might be preaching the gospel. They might be inviting people more to a Sunday morning service, mm-hmm. but I don't know how much actual evangelism is taking place. Yeah. And so what I think oftentimes we think it, it we it um it appears it's an illusion. It appears that evangelism is being focused and emphasized, mm-hmm. and people like to your point are talking about mm-hmm. it. But there's it's not there's not a lot actually being done. So Matt, once you once you describe like when you see a church that's actually doing evangelism and a church that appears to be doing it, what tangibly does that look like? What's the difference? Well, I you know what we what we always talk about at Fellowship Pickering is. You know, we we want to give good news and we want to do good deeds, mm-hmm. and so uh, they're not mutually exclusive from one another. But we we want to be. It's it's difficult where we live at in Canada, you know. But you can go into malls and stuff. You guys do that really well. We don't do as good at that. Uh, but you know, it's it's knocking on doors, prayer walking, engaging people, actually saying like, I shared the gospel with Bob or Julie or whatever this mm-hmm. week. It's before your staff meetings, um, holding your staff accountable to to evangelism stories. Hey, who did you share the gospel with this week? We can't ask our people to do it if we're not doing it. You know, those kinds of things. Um, and then talking about it in service, giving gospel conversation uh, training, gospel evangelism training on a regular basis, uh, you know, in your church, like annually or quarterly, however you want to do it. But that's kind of what I'm talking about, like physically doing it. Yeah. And then the good deeds part is... This could be really simple. This a uh, couple weeks ago, we had a um, we do these things called winter kits, and um, in the winter time up here, and and uh, we pack a bunch of z- little Ziploc baggies with, um, you know, like Kleenexes and cough drops and um, uh, tea packets and chapstick and and then information about our church, and we pass those out to people as we come and go, you know, at grocery stores, clerks, whatever it might be. Right. It's just a simple way to be on mission, you know. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So I, I think, you know, that's what it looks like to tangibly do evangelism mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Do you, so like a church that, church plants that, and I think you're right, by the way, like I agree with your yeah. hypothesis. Um, so church plants that's, that say they focus on evangelism, but maybe aren't doing those things. Why, why do you think, like, what is it that they're doing that they think they're doing evangelism, but they're not really... Mm-hmm camps, mm-hmm. you know, um, block parties. Mm-hmm. I, I, I find, I find very rarely that people in church plants, like core teams and stuff have genuinely been trained on how to share their story. And they're actually being held accountable. To and do they're that. actually being held accountable to do it. Yep. Who did yep. you share the gospel with yep. this week? You know, it's, it's, it's not going to just, it's not just going to like mythically appear, mysteriously appear once right. you have your grand opening service. Yeah. So I, I, this is just my observation. What I still see in North America, and it is mm-hmm. exclusive to North America mm-hmm. because I've been in the 1030 window and other places and it's, they're not, they don't do it there because mm-hmm. they can't, they can't like say, come to my Sunday morning service. And I don't want to, you know, we've talked about this probably ad, ad nauseum a little bit. Um, on this podcast, but um, I, so I'm not bashing Sunday morning services. We, we promote Sunday morning service. You, it's okay to invite people. Don't misunderstand me. But what I think we mistakenly replace evangelism with is those things I mentioned. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we do camps or we do, um, we do block parties or um, we do good deeds. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but anytime, 
even the good deeds that we try to do at Fellowship, I'm not saying, I mean, we're like any other church. We don't do everything the way it should be done or like we anticipate it being mm -hmm. done because we're flawed. Yep. But, you know, we always say like good deeds should lead to good news. Mm -hmm. So why are you doing this? Because we're Jesus loves you. Yep. And this is why. Let me tell you how he shared my life or changed my life. And you share the gospel. Yep. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. Does the goal always come to fruition? Of course not. Yep. But that's the, that's the goal. Mm -hmm. um, and so... I don't know. I still, my observation is still in North America at least that we we don't have we don't have enough planters that are equipping their people, their core teams, their launch teams, whatever you want to call them, and teaching them and holding them accountable to like actually going into the harvest, mm -hmm. knocking on doors, going to businesses, mm -hmm. going up to people at, at grocery stores, whatever it might be, or however you live on mission and sharing the gospel. Yep. I think if you were to ask people that are part of core teams, even today and say, hey, um, when was the last time you shared the gospel um, with somebody? Oh, I talked about Jesus. This is like, you know, well, you talked about Jesus, but how did you like clearly mm -hmm. invite them to receive Christ and mm -hmm. come into the kingdom? Yeah. And I think that we'd be surprised by the answers. Well, I told you one time, you know, I preached at a church, uh, you know, there were several hundred people there and, yeah. and um, asked who, who, how many in here have ever made a disciple, meaning you shared the gospel with somebody and they came to faith and you began to walk with them like yeah. personally to show them how to follow Jesus and one person and then one person thing, and it was the senior pastor. Yeah. <laughs> like that, that, but like, that's where we are. I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's where we mm -hmm. are too. And, and you know, it, I wasn't surprised. I didn't, I wasn't expecting very many hands to go up, but I yeah. was, I was shocked to see no hands go up. Yeah. Except for the pastors. And you know, I really do think that's where we are. So I'm, um, like, I have, you know, my own personal like thoughts and, uh, and feelings as to where we are. I, I tend to think that we are far, far, far more unhealthy as a church as a whole in North America than anybody realizes. Like yeah. I really think it's, it's much worse than people realize, yeah. um, in terms of just the spiritual health. Like we are extremely spiritually malnourished. Um, and we have, we have, our churches are filled with, at best, extremely immature Christians. Yeah, I, I think that I think um, the the wheat and the tares are so close. Of course, Christ tells us this right um, in the parable, but it it there there's it's just all right there. Yep. And so I, I, you're always going to have the tares. We can't get away from that, right? But someday, you know, Christ's going to separate the the wheat from the chaff. But you have to you have to teach the wheat how to make disciples, how to share the gospel, how to do those things. Back mm -hmm. to, you know, why we're bringing this up is, you know, I think a lot of times guys think they're emphasizing evangelism leading up to it. What they're really emphasizing is their launch. Mm -hmm. What they're really emphasizing is their preview services. Um, you know, and and to their credit, maybe they're they're giving the gospel at those services. Sure. You know, and um and we we you know, we we celebrate that. We reward that. We we get excited about that because it should be happening. Um, but that should be a regular occurrence mm -hmm. just on your Sunday morning services. Yeah. Um, so I, I would just say that. Mm -hmm. Emphasizing evangelism before, after, and until Jesus comes back. Because that's just what we do. That's that's the Great Commission. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's move to number 10. Number 10, last one. I'm kind of excited about this one. Number 10, uh, things church planters say that they shouldn't. I'm not going to preach on controversial issues. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna talk about hell. I can talk about fire and brimstone. We don't do fire yeah. and brimstone. That's gonna drive people away. You know, we were talking about this earlier. When people say that, you know, well, well you know, we're not gonna be a fire and brimstone church, or that guy's fire and brimstone. I mean, like the the thing I think about is like the fundamentalist, you know, like the big King James Bible, like he's yeah. screaming probably, you know, mm -hmm. and, and like I get that, like nobody wants to be under that, and yep. it's 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 silly, um, but honestly, I've I've seen that so rarely. Yeah, it's not very common. It's not very common, and so I think really what people say when they say like fire and brimstone, they don't want you to talk about hell being a literal place, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so church they don't want to talk about sin too much. They don't want to talk about sin too much. You talk about sin too much. Yep. Literally had a, had a guy one time tell me, you know, um, man, I need more encouragement in from you and your preaching. And, you know, I think when I was younger, I would have just immediately said, Oh, whatever. 
mm-hmm. you know. But I mean, I, as I as I I remember one time I had some professor say when somebody says something like that to you, the immediate response is to be defensive, and you can get in the flesh or you can receive it mm-hmm. and 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 ask yourself. You want me to encourage you? Okay. Let me encourage you to flee as fast as you can to the cross because you are a yeah. son of the devil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, so, so you know, this guy said, and he said, you know, um, he said something along those lines, you know, and, uh-huh. and, and I asked him, I said, well, man, uh, unpack that for me, my friend, because I said, I, my tone, is it my tone? He's like, oh, no, no, it's not your tone. And, um, and, and you know what it was, what it got down to? Uh-huh. Sin. Uh-huh. He said, and, and finally it came out, and he said, you know, people don't need to be reminded all the time that they sin or that sin is a problem. Well, I know I do. Yeah. Like, I know I do. I need that reminder because I can get very comfortable with my sin. I can get very, um, I can get very cozy with my idols. And, uh, you know, I need to say that guy didn't, didn't stay. But when we say controversial issues, you know, I think it's, absolutely asinine when people get into politics and stuff like that in yeah. in the pulpit and even start naming candidates and all those things don't need a sermon series on the no. border wall no no <laughs> build a wall you know <laughs> so ridiculous with all that stuff yeah. going on right now but but i i think when when guys try to do that when when you know they they're like i'm not going to talk about con-. so man what, what well a lot of the bible's controversial so it's a controversial idea just for the fact that if you to the world that you know the exclusivity of Christ that's mm-hmm. controversial. Yep. Sexuality, how we view marriage is controversial yep. to a lot of people. Yep. How we view sexuality is controversial. Um how, how how we discipline our children can be viewed as controversial. Yep. There's all kinds of things that are controversial. So what you're really saying when you say I'm going to stay away from controversial issues is I'm going to just you know, preach light. It's kind of like gospel light or, you know, preaching light. And I think that you're going to develop really shallow Christians. Mm -hmm. If you do that, people need the full counsel of the word of God. If you, if you are uncomfortable talking about those things, if you're uncomfortable talking about hell being a reality, if you're uncomfortable talking about how we believe marriage is between one man and one woman, if you're uncomfortable about saying those things out loud, you need to ask yourself why. Are you uncomfortable about those things because you know that mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to grow a church like that mm-hmm. because some people will, will will leave? Are you uncomfortable about those things because maybe you're not aligned with those things theologically? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have to be uncomfortable. Yep. Now, we don't address those things with a spirit of hate or to be rude, you know, if I'm talking about a controversial issue like sexuality. So I might even say, man, I understand sexuality. That is a multi-layered issue. And we want, we want you to understand here today. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I preached on abortion, um, probably, uh, what came up and, um, talking about the sanctity of life. The sanctity of life, by the way, is much more than just, you know, uh, we're pro-life, we're pro-life for elderly, mm-hmm. we're pro-life for, uh, all kinds of different, uh, people. Um, but, but, you know, I, I made, I made clear nobody here is, nobody here is, is going to judge you. Nobody here is, is, is going to like point fingers at you. We understand you, you probably already have some things you're working through because of that decision in your life. You're, you're preaching with grace, but you're staying true to what the word of God says. Mm-hmm. And afterwards I had a woman track me down in the parking lot and, uh, almost 60 year old woman say, you know, I've never had anybody address that, but uh, I, I I had an abortion when I was a young woman, mm-hmm. and I've carried with I carried it with me all my life, and I just want to say thank you mm-hmm. for talking about that today. Yep. And um, so, anyways, I just and and let me just say this, and you can add some thoughts too. I think if you say I'm going to stay away from all controversial issues uh, until the church gets started and we get healthier and more mature disciples and all that kind of stuff, no, you won't. No. You'll never get to that stuff. You'll never teach on things that. It's kind of like saying we'll multiply once we get to seven hundred. Yeah, seven hundred. Yeah, exactly. So that's what I would say. Yeah, yeah, uh, man, I, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, I think that 
when you look at the balance of scripture, like number one, like if your preaching does not align, like the balance of your preaching doesn't align with the balance of scripture, then, you know, something's off. Like if you're, so if you're always preaching, you know, um, you know, about, you know, light things and, you know, like, oh, God has a wonderful plan for your life, which is true. And, yeah. you know, that's all the stuff you're talking about and you're never talking about sin. You're not talking about hell. Well, you're not talking like Jesus talked, right? Because yeah. Jesus talked about hell. He talked about, he talked about, you know, uh, you know, the sanctity of marriage, you know, he talked about all these things, you know, plenty. And so, um, you know, there are things that we need to address too. And, you know, the whole fire and brimstone thing, we were kind of talking a little bit, bit about this earlier. I don't, you know, like you said, I think when um, when people say that, um, what they uh, what they really mean is, you know, don't talk about hell. Like when I think of fire and brimstone, you know, and like um, like traditionally, what that meant for people is it meant, you know, like preachers who uh, try to scare people, you know, yeah. and you know, like literally, like they have the giant KJV Bible and they're yeah. you know, pounding the pulpit and they're you know, like, you know, angrily yelling at people, telling them you're all going to hell, you know, yeah. like, of course, that's not what we're called to do. Yeah. But, you know, like, think about Jonathan Edwards sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Yeah. That's a sermon about, um, uh, about the horrors of hell, essentially. Yeah. And it's a, that whole sermon, if you go and read it, is him uh, pleading with people to flee to Christ yeah. uh, for salvation and ba- trying to be as clear as he can about uh, the just um, horror that awaits everyone who decides to remain an enemy of God. Yeah. And that is a biblical good sermon, and a lot of people got converted under it. Yeah. So if you think that that's fire and brimstone that we should just cut out and that we should not talk about anymore, I just think that you're mistaken. Yeah. Right. Um, I, I think that uh, if anything, that we we need to be more bold about, you know, speaking in such ways. Uh, and I think the reason that we don't is because we know that it's, you know, abrasive and that, you know, like there's people that, you know, aren't going to like it. You yeah. know, they're going to get offended. But, you know, Jesus, like when you go read through the Gospels, I don't see this. Is what I don't get it, you know, about people that run around, you know, like, oh, we don't want to offend people. You know, we, we just we don't want to drive anybody away. And I'm like, do you guys, have you ever like actually read and looked at what <laughs> Jesus did? Like Jesus was like purposefully trying to talk people out of following him yeah. all the time. Like, you know, like eat my flesh and drink my blood. Oh, you really want to follow me? Well, the son of man has no place to lay his head. Uh, oh, are you sure? Because those who put their hands to the plow look back aren't fit for the kingdom of God. Oh, you want to follow me? Well, you better deny yourself and take yeah. up your cross and follow me. Are you sure? Yeah. Right. Like, are we doing that? Right. Or are we telling people, oh, it's easy to follow Jesus. Come on. Yeah. Come on. It's easy. All, you, all I have to do is pray this little prayer. It's yeah. easy to follow Jesus. Yeah. Jesus didn't say it's no. easy. He said, no. sell everything that you own. Yeah. He did, right? the, he did the opposite. He deterred people. Yeah. He would draw a massive crowd mm-hmm. and run them off. So basically what we're saying is, you know, mix up your sermon series, you know, on hell. And, you know, if you're going to do the blessing of the pets, you know. I drove by a church the other day, uh-huh. and they had a sign on their thing that said "Blessing of the Pets Weekend." And I guess you can, they, bring, you can bring your pet in, and the uh, the unconverted priest will <laughs> lay his hand on it and do something. Yeah, I just thought, wow, the blessing of the pets. Yeah, interesting. Hey, so you know the little uh, the church that's that's right down the street. Yeah, that. Uh, so there's this church that's down the road, and I won't say what it is, but uh, they. Uh, what if he like have, listens to every? Episode. Oh, highly doubt it. <laughs> um, oh, every so, time I come over, they always get a new sign. No, so that's what I was going to tell you about. So they haven't in a long time. I haven't told you about this yet. Uh-oh. So this guy is a jokester, I guess, and he thinks that he's funny, and he's always putting, you know, quote-unquote funny things on the church sign, but a lot of them, quite frankly, are pretty sacrilegious and blasphemous. Like he did this one thing one time that really just ticked me off, and he had out there, he said... uh for all you do, this blood's for you and a wafer too. And like doing a playoff, the Bud Light commercial and the Lord's so Supper. Bad. And I was so pissed so about stupid. that. But so get this, Matt. Yeah. Last in early December, he puts one out there and he said, and it just says Christmas, a lot easier to spell than Hanukkah. And oh, Lord. so two days later, the sign, I go outside and the sign reads, really sorry, meant no offense. <laughs> 
Are you serious? <laughs> so apparently somebody complained. Oh and said, and then the day after that, he just put the service times up. And for six weeks, that's all that's been there. Oh, he hasn't man. messed with the church sign anymore. I think so. I think somebody got onto him and he was like, oh, shoot, I better stop. It's probably like Google and like good church sign quotes. Yeah. Somebody shamed him. And uh, now he's like tucked his tail between his legs. Man, and that's terrible. Run away. So it just cracks me up because ever since then, he's, I haven't heard a peep out of him. Wow. <laughs> Quiet as a church mouse on its church sign. Well, that's probably so, for the betterment of, oh, of yeah. all of this Well, area. it's better for my mood because I just walk outside some yeah. mornings and I'd look over there and be like, because he's like literally two doors down from me. You're like, ah, what the heck? They are so bad. Mm-hmm, they are. It literally says, uh, don't, don't park here if you're, I park there every time when I come over. Yeah, so I've got a sign that says, if you're not a church, you get towed or whatever. Oh, they don't care. Our listeners don't care. Oh, the church doesn't care? Mm-mm. Oh, good. No, I think that sign's been there forever. Oh, People good. Park, people park good. there all the time. So, Our listeners are like, <laughs> <laughs> our listeners are like, what the? Where's <laughs> this thing just like? <laughs> this is reminding me of, what? man. This is reminding me of some of my early sermons in closing today. And then, like five minutes later, and so just in conclusion, yeah, yeah, and then just except like, we're not even talking about anything that has to do with the sermon. We're about just it. like we literally started having a personal conversation. Hey, man, so Erica just hey, messaged me about tonight? my grocery list for tonight. Yeah, yeah okay. some asparagus, maybe. Right, cool. Throw some broccoli down that grill. Yeah. Yeah, man. Good. Yeah. How about you? I don't know. Uh, I think. Hey, man, your beard is really coming in. Thank you. Yeah, man. Appreciate that. I've been working on it. I got some new beard oil. Ooh. All right, we're going to stop. <laughs> Sorry, well, listeners. Thank you guys for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure you head on over to our website. It's been redone. It's new. It's uh, www.getinthetrenches.com. Uh, and there you can check out other episodes. You can check out the blog post. We have a blog post that coincides with each new episode that comes out now. Uh, so uh, really hope that you'll check that out. <clears throat> and don't forget to uh, sign up for uh, our In the Trenches newsletter. And when you do that, you get access to the free ebook 30 of our favorite church planning quotes. Uh, So uh, as always, um, also make sure you subscribe on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher. If you haven't yet, there's links to all those platforms on the new website. Uh, We're going to be back next Monday with another new episode. So until then, go out there and get in those trenches, church planners.